Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. Here's just some of your questions we'll be tackling tonight. If 10 to 12 teams complained to Major League Baseball about the Astros over the years, why did it take Mike Fires going public for baseball to investigate? Should Charlie Morton be booed by Rays fans for his role in the cheating scandal? And was Brashard Perriman's improved play because of more opportunities or the Bucks system that he played in? And do you think Jason Pierre-Paul wants to really come back to Tampa Bay? We're going to answer all those questions 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, before we get to the questions, as we uh, tape this podcast, we're still awaiting word of uh, the condition of Ryan Newman. Of course, the Daytona 500 was completed really into the evening on uh, Monday because of the rains on Sunday. And Denny Hamlin uh, won the 500 for the second straight year in a row, third time overall, only one of, I think, six drivers to do so. And it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of cautions, a lot of wrecks in the last few laps. Uh, you know, they, they had a couple of the, you know, the two two-lap restarts, uh, and then, of course, uh, coming down the stretch, there was a, a lot of cars, as, as is the case in restrictor play racing, on you know, pushing each other to the front. And uh, Ryan Newman got, uh, got pushed sideways, hit the wall pretty hard. His car went airborne, and if you haven't seen it, it's all over Twitter. It was a horrific accident, uh, but not much word from Fox or from anybody really right after uh, the race. And so, uh, again... Uh, by the time you hear this podcast, we may have uh, m- more updates or more news, but uh, certainly at this time, our, our prayers go to uh, to Ryan Newman. Boy, I'll, I'll tell you, it is is this a reminder of um, when you watch these races, these guys go to work, uh, and and you know just the the amount of uh, danger you know that they that that job entails that they place themselves in uh, and have so much confidence in the cars and the safety of the cars, but at that speed and uh, uh, you know, certainly anytime one goes airborne like that, you're, 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 uh, you know, you're holding your breath that, uh, no one gets seriously hurt. Uh, it just, you know, my, your first thought, and I think a lot of people's first thoughts was back to, you know, Dale Earnhardt senior, I believe it was 2001 mm-hmm. there at, at Daytona. Right. And of course right. the worst possible outcome came from that one. Yeah. Um, you know, you're just hoping that that's not the case for Ryan Newman, but you know, at this time we haven't heard anything. I believe he's been transported to the hospital. Um, it's about right. nine o'clock on Sunday night as we're taping this. So sure, um, a lot may change by the time you hear this podcast. But we wanted to at least, at least acknowledge that uh, we're aware that uh, you know people's thoughts are with uh, with Ryan and uh, and his family. So, but yeah, it's, it's um, so the the danger that those drivers. You know, we remember Dan Weldon hmm. uh, in the IndyCar series, and yeah, um, you know, it's just the 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 risks that they take when they get in those cars and you're going, you know, 200 plus miles an hour. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's sober reminder. Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, there it was some, some time uh, involved between Newman, um, you know, the accident, not knowing what, what his condition was. And then Denny Hamlin, 
you know, sort of doing what you do when you win the race. You go to victory lane and, you know, they, they pop the, the streamers and, uh, you know, the confetti comes down and, and um, you're congratulating your, your crew. But uh, it was a subdued, subdued event, obviously, um, the way it ended there. So we'll, uh, we'll continue to, to pray for him and his family. Uh, but we're going to tackle a ton of questions today, some good ones. Of course, uh, lots of people's minds are still on the Houston Astros and the cheating scandal as, as more and more of those interviews are taking place and more players are speaking out uh, about baseball, you know, probably having botched this thing but not holding players more accountable. Uh, and then, as always, uh, we got Bucks. We've got, uh, we've got a little bit of everything tonight. Well, we'll start with baseball. And we had lots of reaction to our podcast last night. Um, after mm-hmm. Rob Manfred and more of the Astros spoke. Uh, but Mike yeah. leads us off saying, if 10 to 12 teams complained to Major League Baseball about the Astros over the years, why did MLB wait until Mike Fires went to a reporter to investigate them? Well, that's a great question. Um, I I don't know is is the is a cop-out answer. Um, but I will say this, that I think that, you know, they had the information they needed when Fires who was a player on that team that knew everything about it, um, you know, was willing to, to talk and was willing to expose it. Uh, when he did, uh, baseball made a decision, and that decision was that they were going to give all the players involved immunity so that they could find out the facts, so they could speak freely about what really went on. And really, the, the, you know, the reason for doing this, and, and it's just, it's just pure and simple was to get this matter behind baseball as quickly as possible. Um, I don't know how thorough the investigation was with respect to, you know, what are the methods they use were there buzzers and this and how long, you know, how many years did this go on? Certainly the Red Sox were implicated as well. And we're still awaiting, I guess what's going to happen with them. But um, I, I do believe that, um, you know, that, that once it was, you know, somebody on the inside, some some player willing to expose it, um, then baseball had the green light to go ahead. And 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 again, I think that I I don't think they wanted to dig too deep. I don't know, you know, they didn't they didn't really hold any players accountable because they wanted to get this behind them. And it's it's going to turn out just the opposite because now you have so many players speaking out, so many people thinking that this is, um, you know, not enough contrition, not enough accountability. And we know that when, you know, the punishment isn't enough that players are going to take matters into their own hands. And, you know, you've already had Dusty Baker coming out and saying, hey, baseball's got to protect our players and they can't be thrown at and this sort of thing. Um, But that's what happens when, you know, the punishment isn't enough for the crime. I mean, $5 million, um, you know, and firing, you know, serving a GM and and a manager up is just not really very much. I mean, did you see where... Uh, Manchester City um, ended up getting fined like thirty thirty five and a half million dollars yeah. or thirty two and a half million dollars. They've also been banned from the postseason year, in UEFA. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, two year ban in the Champions League, and they now, might get some punishment in the Premier League too. That hasn't been determined yet. That's right. So I mean, uh, that's how you. That's a deterrent. <laughs> okay, if you're not, my thing is, if you're not going to hold the players accountable individually, and 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 you know, the other thing is too, it's like, okay, how do they go about determining? you know, which player took it more advantage of this scheme than others. But I think there's a way to do that. You know, I think there's a, a level um, of participation you probably could have determined. Um, and from that standpoint, you know, they they would have had to dig deeper and they, it might still be ongoing, right? But they wanted, again, you know, the season is starting. Uh, 
Um, they made a mistake, I think, by not vacating the, 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 the champion, you know, the championship for Houston. I mean, they should not have that trophy no matter what Manford said about, well, it's just a piece of metal. It's more than that. It's what it's symbolic of, you know. Oh, and, yeah, you saw Evan Longoria come out going, you know, a piece of metal. Yeah. No, it means a lot more than that. Yeah, I mean, they, they, you don't start the season, you know, game one of 162 and go, hey, guys, we got to win this beautiful trophy. You know, yeah, I, that, I that's need, not uh, what it's about. I need to think for my mantle just because it'll look good there. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean anything. It's just decorative. Yeah, you know, I really like rings. I want to collect rings. <laughs> I mean, it's just you know, it's stupid. It, it means so much more than that. And he cheapened his own, you know, his own tournament really. Um, that's played for six months. But you know, that aside, um, I guess it's a long way of saying that I think baseball didn't have the goods. I think when Fires laid it out, it was obvious that that you know this well, was a former uh, player who participated. We know baseball doesn't investigate anything until they have to. Right. Look I at mean, the steroid incident. It wasn't I until mean, Congress said, "Hey, your your antitrust exemption is going to be looked at." Yeah, oh, oh, exactly. well, now we'll investigate. I mean, oh, now we're serious. Yeah, you know, they they've they've known about the Astros or at least the suspicions Suspected of what the Astros it. have been doing, mm-hmm. but they didn't. You open an investigation now; it becomes public. Now it becomes an issue and a problem that you have to deal with. And baseball—that's right. Baseball throughout history tries to sweep problems under the rug before they become problems, and usually it becomes a bigger problem because of it. By doing it, yeah. And it's just like the old few good men. They'd rather it be handled within the unit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and But it was not. Somebody went outside the unit, and God was watching, as they would say. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, it's it's it continues to be, I think Jeff Passan wrote that, uh, you know, baseball is burning. And that that's a good phrase because so much is wrong with this game right now, and yet it's the greatest game in my opinion. I love love the sport of baseball more than I do anything else. And, Yet it's, uh, you know, and, and for the players who love it uh, and play it and play it professionally and, and make their livelihood this way, they know other players have been hurt by this. Careers have been altered. You know, some guys came up for a game, got racked and went back down. You know, some missed arbitration goals. I mean, um, you know, there is real damage. There's a lawsuit being filed against uh, against the Astros. So, um, you know, they, they know how vile this is and uh, how bad it is for baseball. Everyone apparently except for Rob Manfred, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> which is kind of botched this whole thing. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Well, Gintown asks, and you mentioned Dusty Baker. Gintown yeah. says, why is Dusty Baker worried about retaliating against his players? If they know what pitch is coming, shouldn't they be able to get out of the way? <laughs> I love this. This was quickly the response to almost everybody on Twitter. Twitter is good for some things, and that's one of them. Uh, yeah, they should know. And you know what? It's like the old Crash Davis, you know, line in uh, Bull Durham. It's like, I, I wouldn't dig in if I were you. I don't know where it's going, swear to God. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I have no idea. I wouldn't get too comfortable. Either that or and you're doing the old Crash. Hey, thank me later. Here's the old number one, except it's the, yeah. you know, whatever the one is for hitting the pitcher or hitting the batter. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. And when you speak of me, Charlie, yeah. speak nicely. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you're not going to stop. I don't think you can stop guys like premeditatively <laughs> of saying or preemptively if you're baseball and say anyone who throws behind an Astros batter or inside is going to be ejected. I mean, first of all, haven't they had enough of a competitive advantage? <laughs> I mean, do we do we also have to take away the inside part of the plate from the Astros? I mean, now they know now they don't know the pitch, but they know that it's not going to be inside. I mean, let's let's not like overthink this. Um, sure. If you, you know, you don't want guys head hunting, 
Um, but, you know, I, I would imagine that there are going to be certain players and certain teams that are going to do exactly that to, to Altuve and, and Bergman and some other guys. So um, I just wouldn't dig in. I, I, it's an ugly – and, again, Major League Baseball has to take, you know, has to take sort of the blame for that. I know why Dusty's doing it because that's his job. I mean, Dusty Baker's job mm-hmm. is to protect his players, to put to put it in the back of mind of, of baseball and umpires that we know this is going to happen and we want you to stop it uh, and, and issue warnings to all teams before we play the first spring training game. And I just don't think that that's very practical. Um, now, you know, is it going to be the first series of every game that they, that they you know, play in a visiting mm-hmm. park? I mean, I don't know. I don't well, know how... Cognitively dissonant asked us, and here's the next follow-up question. So yeah. it says, now that more and more actual players like Mike Trout and others are being openly critical of Major League Baseball's handling of the Astros, how does this end? Brawls on the field? A work strike? I mean, where does it go from here? Well, I mean, I think at some point they'll, you know, everyone's going to shut up and play, um, you know, because I'm, I mean – you have to try to win the game. You don't help your team much, you know, if you go out there and your ace is is throwing behind hitters in the first inning. I mean, this is going to have to be something that each team is going to have to make those decisions, and maybe maybe even each player, um, you know. But I I don't I don't know where it goes. I mean, that's that's the whole thing about the way baseball has handled this is that it's such a black eye and there's so many big name players who are not afraid to speak out and they should, they are, they are been critical. Um, but I would say this, if Jose Altuve, you know, it may, it may be more than just the occasional ball behind your, your uh, wallet. It, it, it could also be, you know, there's a play at second and somebody gets taken out pretty hard, you know? Um, but again, you know, it's, it shouldn't be a vigilante like, like, uh, okay, you ended this guy's career. We're going to end yours. There's going to have to be, you know, some diplomacy here at some point. I think once everybody gets their shot at the Astros and they get booed, and you go one time around, you know, one time around the the circuit, that maybe things will settle down a bit and they'll just play the game. But I, I don't know. I mean, this is the thing: we've never had a scandal like this. This is not steroids. This is one team cheating and 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 successfully to the point where they won a World Series. And another guy won a Most Valuable Player award instead of Aaron Judge. And another guy won this, and another guy won that. I mean, you know, and they got huge contracts that they haven't given any of the money back. So there's a lot of tentacles to this, and we don't know how far it will reach or how far it will last. And some of it and, may depend on how the Astros do this year. I mean, if they struggle, I think so too. It, 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 but if they're successful, particularly if they're doing better at home than on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot more questions and and a lot more mm-hmm. chances for retaliation or you know potential because if people assume something's going on, whether it is or They'll not, they'll always be suspicious, right? They'll always be suspicious, and you know, I don't know, you know, if you're the Astros, you probably need to start out about you know twenty and five. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, if it goes the other way and you're you know ten and ten and fifteen. Then everybody's going to even you know go the old aha. I, I told you that you know mm-hmm. they're. They couldn't do it without cheating. Um, I, and then there's a part of me, too, that says, you know what, the Astros are going to use this as fuel. These are talented baseball players. And, and you know. Oh, that roster's ex- loaded. I mean. Oh, to the extent that, 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 you know, it certainly helps a guy that's the best in the world if he knows what's coming. I mean, that's the thing. The advantage is, you know, 
so precarious as it is because these are all the best in the world that if you give a guy like that just that little bit of a heads up as to, you know, is it a breaking ball or a 105-mile-an-hour fastball, he's going to wear you out. But um, they're still very good. They're a good baseball team and extremely capable of winning their division and or World Series all on their own. And that's – see, that was the whole thing that makes this so much worse is that, you know – this wasn't a team that came out of nowhere that wasn't expected to win that cheated their way to a World Series. This was a team that everybody knew was talented, and they didn't have to do it. They probably could have won the damn thing anyway, um, but they did do it. And so, I would just say, you know, that they're they're going to be a tough out no matter where they play, and it could galvanize them. You know, they could rally around each other and say, "Hey, it's us against the world." Every every ballpark we go to, we're booed. Um, you know. We're thrown at all these things, and you know, careful you don't stare them up too much because um, they're 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 an extremely talented team. So I I don't know where it goes. I, I I just I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to get well right away. There's too many players upset about this um, that for this just to go away easily. R A asks: Should Charlie Morton, aka Cheatin' Charlie, be booed mm. next year by Rays fans for his role in Cheatergate? And did he give the Rays teammates a heads up about the Astros cheating ways before their 2019 playoff series? Well, we know one guy, the guy who wrote the question is going to boom for sure. Um, I wouldn't have a problem, and I don't know about Rays fans, but just any baseball fan, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, in as much as like, look, he didn't hit, he didn't participate in the beating of the drum, you know, um, he was aware of it, said that he wished he had said something, you know, he's remorseful about that, but he's also perfectly willing to own it. You know, like he wasn't a guy that said, um, you know, Hey, don't blame me. It wasn't my idea. Uh, he was contrite. You know, he, he knows that this will sit with, with him the rest of his career. I mean, he won game seven that year. Uh, and so, you know, he benefited from it. Um, and he was aware of it. So look, any, any of those guys that, um, he was also in a tough position, you know, because you're on a team. A team is like family. Are you going to rat out on your family? Um, you're not. You're not actively participating in the scam, but you know, by staying silent, you sort of sort of like tacitly accepting it. And I just, you know, he he has to. He I think he's perfectly willing to own whatever reaction people have. I mean, I, and I don't know if he told his teammates. I'm trying to think back on the story that Mark Topkin did. Uh, I think at that point, pretty much everybody was aware that Houston was stealing signs. I believe he said that w- that they were always um, In- inside you know, baseball. People knew. Yeah, they were careful to 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 make sure they changed their signs and um, did things to because because it was known, right? It was pretty well known in baseball. Inside baseball, it was. I mean, Mike Fires hadn't come out yet, so publicly it wasn't known. But yeah, inside baseball, it was pretty well known. So I'm sure the Rays knew, and if the, to what extent Morton, you know. Uh, made that more obvious i don't know but um i I don't think that he hurt them by not saying anything if if in fact he didn't say anything but i think i think his response to that was well you know we we always changed our signs and we always made sure that you know that we were smart about that all right joe asks has Stu sternberg ever said how much of his own money he'd be willing to pay towards the stadium (sighs) 
Um, I'd have to go back and look. Not that I'm aware of. I, I think I've heard a hundred, hundred and fifty million dollars, but really for anything to exceed that it's always uh, he, been it's always been part of depends on the business support in the community. The, yeah, right. Are we getting how much, naming how rights? How many tickets get? are being That's right. the business community is, is committing to in that? And yes. it's always been a negotiation, never a number. Right. The only number right. that was ever concrete was the stadium that that they proposed in Ebor City was eight hundred and ninety two million. Right. That's the Almost only number that dollars. was ever concrete mm-hmm. of anything. Uh, there was never a number from the business community, from the city, from right. Stu or anybody else. It's always been depends on the commitment we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he always wanted that, you know, them to go, you, will you tell me how much you're going to give us and we'll tell you how much we're willing to contribute? You know, how much support do we have in corporate um, sales and other things and tickets and all that and financing for the stadium? So, I think that's part of the problem. You know, I think part of the problem is is that people don't feel like he's going to invest equally, you know, that there's not going to, it's not going to be a partnership that he wants some community to build him a stadium, you know, for the right to play here. And look, that's happened, um, you know, in this very, in this very town, uh, it has happened. Uh, so uh, the stadium thing is tough, man. I, you know, the story that came out about, Eventually, you know, there'll have to be an ownership share with the Montreal group if they're indeed playing up there and that those discussions have already begun. I mean, th- these are these are difficult things to swallow as a Rays fan. It really is. All right. Ellis asks, of the commissioners in the four major leagues, baseball, football, hockey, basketball, who is the best, who is the worst, and why? Well, this this falls, Steve, under the category as beauties in the, in the eye of the beholder, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, we all look for different things in commissioners, so it's it's totally subjective, which is what the question was. But what what's my perspective? Because if if I'm an owner of a, one of these professional franchises, I love Roger Goodell. Mm-hmm. Roger Goodell's made me the biggest, richest uh, TV contracts we've ever had. Um, you know, he's grown the game. He's built stadiums in Las Vegas and Los Angeles and other places. Uh, the Super Bowl is, you know, still off the charts popular and, and brings in, you know, a ton of revenue, uh, advertising and otherwise. I mean, and I know, you know, we're hoping for labor peace and we've had it for a, a good number of years now. Um, and that might be a problem with the next CBA. But but for the most part, during his tenure, there's been labor peace. Um, so and I think it has been to the owner's favor. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a higher a higher share of uh, you know designated gross revenues go to the owners. Um, yeah, I, I it, and it, and so you know we talked about this just a minute ago, but uh, you know Adam Silver has made a great impression on players. You know when when he um, and others decided that the Los Angeles Clippers owner you know should be gone for racist remarks and and other things. So. It just depends, I suppose, is is the answer. Although I, think, I would I think say Adam right Silver, now that Adam Silver's that probably Manfred, been the most transparent for fans. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, so Progre- yeah, the most progressive. I mean, in that, and sure. look, whether you agree or disagree, marijuana is not a thing they test for in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. They're still having this discussion in the NFL, mm-hmm. even though a number, you know, the majority of states, I think, the United States have legalized it. Uh, well, not recreational for medical medical yeah, marijuana. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, I, look, it's. I mean, all four sports revenues are up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Gary Bettman's been in the NHL for a long time. He's the longest, right? Uh, or him and, him and Goodell, maybe? No, I think he's been there longer than Goodell. I mean, Dave, than David Goodell. Stern had been there longer than Bettman. That's right. That's right. But then, you know, now Adam Silver's. The, Bettman's probably the longest of all of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so what's your judgment on who you say the best and the worst is? I mean, if it's about mm-hmm. if it's about making money and growing the sport, all four have done a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we could talk about, you know, baseball's issues and problems, and, and Rob Manfred hasn't handled this situation well. But I mean, you know, as a as an overall entity, revenues in baseball are up. The game is growing. Mm-hmm. They're playing more games overseas and things like that too. Um, yeah. You know, so they've done well. The NFL, of course, is the biggest. The NBA is the second biggest sport in this country, right. and NHL's done well too. So I mean, yeah, is, are you a player? Are you a fan? Are you an owner? You know, the perspective changes. I mean, there's a reason these guys have been commissioners for a long time. I mean, Adam Silver's fairly, he's the newest one, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, the owners, 30 to 32 of them in each league, likes what they're doing. Otherwise, they'd be gone. I mean, you know, so from a business standpoint, all of them have been effective. Mm-hmm. From a fan's perspective, you don't like the way Manfred's handled steroids or, or uh, I'm sorry, the cheating scandal. Goodell maybe didn't like Bounty Gate and other player know, discipline, player yeah, discipline, that. and that kind of stuff. As a fan, mm-hmm. fine. Um, you know the NHL. I mean, all of them. Have, I mean, we haven't had what we haven't had a lockout or a strike in. No, I was going to say the, no, the number one thing is labor. Yeah, the number one thing is labor peace, and they've all they've all managed mm-hmm. to keep that. Yeah, they? hockey lost so. half a season back in twenty twelve, mm-hmm. um, or twenty thirteen, right around there, but. Right. Um, since then, I don't believe we've had anything, and, and it doesn't seem like anything's imminent. You know, I mean, the negotiations are going on, but it doesn't feel like one's that there's going to be a stoppage coming in any of the sports anytime soon. I mean, it, right. that could change, of course, as you're negotiating, but it doesn't seem to be the animosity like, you know, this is a real possibility. You don't hear right. people talking like that. Because there's too much, quite frankly, there's too much money for everybody on the line. Yeah, and everybody's a partner. I mean, nowadays, you know, I mean, even in the NFL, and I know baseball has a worse revenue split than many, but um, you know, how do you walk away from forty-eight percent or so of the of the of the gross revenues when you have a mm-hmm. twenty-five, twenty or twenty-five billion dollar company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why are you Why are you leaving that on the table when that's already guaranteed? So, no, well, um, and in the case of football, I mean, the average career is what three and a half years. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you're going to really walk away from a season. No. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're, you know, the big money guys, you could afford that. But the average right. guy who's just hoping to hang on the league for a couple of years, it's mm-hmm. not worth your while to do that, even though it could hurt you long term as as a player's union. Right. You know, the, the player's side of these negotiations always take the more short term look at things because the players are there short term. The owners are always taking a longer look, a longer term look. Yeah, and, they and play the, the long game. Mm-hmm. The players play the short game. And sometimes that's why they lose, you know because they're they're worried about now so good question though i mean it, it and it's like i said you could you could split this up any way you want to i mean in the news if you look in the news today it's definitely manford is looking up at the other three um simply because his his game is embroiled in scandal it, it is and it's going to be curious i mean you know what we haven't really heard is any other owners no owners talk about this i mean you've kind of that's right you know um the Dodgers kind of 
didn't seem happy about it. And, and there's been a few others, but for the most part, you're not hearing any owners complain. I mean, with Goodell, you'll get Robert Kraft or Jerry Jones complaining at times. Um, baseball, you haven't heard that really, even with this mm. scandal. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, we'll switch to football now. And Buck North asks, do you think the improved play of Richard Perryman was because of his increased opportunities or the system he played in? The Bucks won't have a proven number three wide receiver when he likely leaves in free agency. Would you expect a veteran wide receiver or a current player to take his place? Brashard Perriman, they'll tell you, was making plays almost from the time he got here. I think it had a lot to do with his opportunities. I think there's only so many footballs to go around. Um, you know, of, of the receivers that were coming back, I mean, obviously, Jameis had a good rapport with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard to some extent, and, and obviously Cam Brate. Um, so I think it took some time, maybe, you know, and a lot of work. I know those guys worked a lot after practice. Remember, Perriman is, you know, was playing a position where, um, you know, he had a tough time getting on the field. So he didn't get a ton of balls in the beginning, and, and his catch ratio was bad, right? A lot of targets, not many catches. Uh, and then not a surprise uh, from the standpoint of, you know, his production went up when he got to play more. When Mike Evans and then Chris Godwin went down, you know, Perriman was pumping out, what, four straight 100-yard-plus games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, he showed the playmaking ability that they thought he had. We always knew he could run. I mean, he's always had mm-hmm. a big, you know, yards-per-catch average. Uh, well, people, and forget, I think, people forget he was re-signed or had come to a deal in Cleveland. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they traded for OBJ, so then he became – Expendable. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't like he was well, they desperately searching yeah. for a, a place to play. I mean, Cleveland was ready to resign him and had agreed to a mm-hmm. deal, and then yeah, then the trade for OBJ came, and they didn't need him anymore. He's also a first round pick. I mean, mm-hmm. the Baltimore Ravens. You know, he was injured a lot, and the injuries was always the thing about Perriman. It was never necessarily about his skill. You know, everybody could see he had ability and, and he had um, just tremendous speed and, and, and decent size. Jameis was probably throwing the ball better at that point um, mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, especially the deep ball than he had in, in any other point. I mean, remember the Detroit game? He was just on fire with Perriman. Um, but it's always opportunity. I mean, these guys, when you get opportunity, you've got to, you know, show up and show out. And and, and he really did. He stepped up um, because he knew he was going to get more targets. You know, that's the thing. Like, if you're if you're playing a role where, you know, you're only playing 28% of the snaps and you might get, two or three targets a game, it's a heck of a lot harder and it puts more pressure on you to make plays than if you know you're going to get 10, 11 a game. And, you know, that's that's what it, it turned out to be for Perriman. And they'd love to have him back, love to. But I think he showed enough to be somebody else's number two uh, and, and certainly probably get more money. I mean, one of their priorities, according to Arians, is to at some point here in the next year um, or maybe before that lock up you know, Chris Godwin, who's uh, in his fourth and final year of his contract uh, heading into 2020. So, you know, Perriman, love to have him back. Uh, as far as guys stepping up, I mean, Scotty Miller, 
you know, is a rookie that can run. Um, he's he's a deep threat like Pierre Perriman, but a smaller guy, a guy that you can't put in the slot, for example. Uh, Justin Watson has really never uh, developed much into into that wide receiver. Uh, you know, he was uh, number four two years ago last year. You know, he backed up Mike Evans, and Mike Evans, you know, until the end of the year, uh, played almost every game. So uh, I don't think they have a guy on the roster, and there will be plenty of free agents that they could add, and there will be, uh, you know, certainly guys that can draft. I mean, remember, even though he wouldn't fit this offense, Adam Humphreys was a guy that walked on, you know, that uh, wasn't drafted and was invited to a rookie minicamp. So uh, they'll find some receivers, and especially if you're a receiver and you're out there, um, especially with what Perriman did, you know, who wouldn't want to play in this system, right? Who well, once play they, once they sign Tom Brady, Brady, everybody will be coming. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you know, that Phillip Rivers is – is begging to play. So yeah, it's, um, it, 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 they would love to have him. I, I, I think I tend to think he's going to get another offer somewhere for more money. And again, you know, Arians has said his priority is defense. Less ask. I know money talks, but do you think that JPP wants to come back to Tampa? I'm sure at this point in his career, he wants to be with a winner and wonder if he thinks that would be the bucks. Well, it would be hard to think it's going to be the Bucks, um, simply because they've gone 12 years without winning. Uh, but, you know, having said that, he came from a Giants team where, yes, he did win, but he also had a bunch of losing seasons there, too. I guess my point is there's no guarantee unless you, um, you know, maybe go to Kansas City or San Francisco, who doesn't really need you, uh, that you're going to win next year. You know, that's the thing about the NFL. You, know, you don't know who the winners are. Uh, and I think that, you know, the, if JPP was bound and determined to be back here, um, you know they did some things with his contract where they voided, you know, two thousand and this this season, two thousand twenty. I mean, he was under contract, but it was for like fourteen million dollars. And so when he got the injury to the neck, um, they they agreed to uh, you know bring him back. Uh, he missed six games, obviously, um, but when he was cleared to play, uh, essentially he had a chance to make a lot of that money back just by play time. And, um, you know, his production was off the charts. You know, he had ended up with eight and a half sacks and despite missing the six games, which was remarkable. But it was almost a pay-as-you-go. You know, he got so much per game, 250000 a game, got so much for number of sacks over four, over six, over eight. Uh, and so he made a lot of his money back. Now, I don't think he's going to do an incentive-laden contract like that again because, frankly, he's proven he's healthy. So, you know... If somebody has a big payday for an elite pass rusher that that you know even though he's you know in his getting into his mid thirties almost um you know i think i think they would they would call j p p but you know he's a Florida guy he went to school here he seems happy here i think he likes the defense i think you know Todd Bowles put him in good positions a year ago to be successful even though it was a three four which is something the Giants didn't think he could play. Uh, and so, you know, my guess is it's all about the money, right? I mean, even when Gerald McCoy was taking his tour, you know, there were better teams than Carolina that he could have signed with, um, but it was about his brand. He wasn't going to lower his brand and play for $6 million when he could get $9, 9500000 from somebody else. And that's really what matters to these guys. You know, they're not going to take the hometown discount. So we'll see. We'll see if somebody blows him away in free agency and – offers them a ton of money, and if they're a contender, that would probably be attractive. But, you know, right now I, I think he enjoys playing with, with Tampa Bay. I think he 
would like to be back here. He said as much. He's he's um, you know a man of his word. Uh, I, I don't know how many more teams he wants to play with in his career. So, you know, if he could finish here, that that would be great. But it it always comes down. Don't don't ever mistake that it comes down with the money. It's nice to have a guy in your locker room though um, that knows the players and gets along with the coaching staff, and you do have some home field advantage that way. But you're also going to have to you know, going to have to meet that market price. And he was productive. He had eight and a half sacks in 10 games, which is really good. Ernest asked, how about this for Jameis Winston? Start with the $27 million he would get if franchised, then charge him $1 million per interception and give him a bonus of $1 million for an interception free game. (laughs) I love this idea. It would never work, of course, um, because how much, how much do you deduct if, uh, you know, Bruce Arians stands up and says that that interception was on the receiver and not the quarterback. Does, does the receiver pay half half a million of that? Um, yeah, of course they would never do this, but I've seen it mentioned many times. I'm wondering, and there was a report today, and I don't know what how much credence to give it, that, you know, that if Teddy Bridgewater makes it free agency, if Drew Brees goes back to the Saints, he's likely he'll be a free agent, that the projections are that Teddy Bridgewater could get up to $30 million a year. And if Teddy Bridgewater could get $30 million a year, you might as well just franchise your own guy. I mean, this whole conversation is about, you know, how many of our own guys on defense can we bring back? You know, is Jameis worth $27 million as a franchise player? Well, you know, hell. I mean, he might be one of the better bargains in the NFL if that's the way it goes. So, uh, yeah, he would never agree to that, of course. Well, the bigger he thing is, to- will, will Jameis play if he's franchised? I mean, there's talk Dak Prescott may not. Yeah, I I tend to think he would, but mm-hmm. there's no guarantee of it. I mean, I'll say this. The people around him, and I haven't talked to his agent, but I do know some people, you know, including his family, I think I think they believe in their hearts that this is the time for him to, mm-hmm. to sign the long-term deal. When I say long-term, I don't mean one year. I don't mean, you know, franchise tender, although it is 27. It's not like chump change, right? They're guaranteeing you $27 million. It's just a one-year deal. You can be a free agent next year. But I think they really would like to see him get that, you know, three to four year contract, um, like Kirk Cousins got for eighty four million dollars in three years. I mean, this is his time. He put up five thousand one hundred nine yards and thirty three touchdowns, and yeah, there were a bunch of turnovers. But you know what? He's a dynamic playmaker. He's twenty, going to be twenty six years old, and and this is his time to get paid. And I think people around him believe that. You know, so you know, what his reaction would be to being franchised, I. I don't know any quarterbacks, even though I know Dak has talked about it or people have talked about it on behalf of Dak. Steve, I don't know any quarterbacks that ever held out. Quarterback, the quarterbacks don't hold out. <laughs> They're the leader of the football team, you know? Running backs hold out. Wide receivers hold out. Defensive mm-hmm. linemen hold out. It's really hard for a quarterback to say, I'm not going to come in and lead my team. Well, what, so, hap- well, what happens if somebody comes in and runs the team better than you did? Well, that's part of it. I mean, you know, I let's mean, let's go say so. Yeah. If Dak says he's not playing, right, and the Cowboys go sign Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. you name it, Tom Brady Tom for a Brady. year or two, yeah, and Tom Brady takes him to the playoffs in a Super Bowl, yeah. What's Dak well, worth at that point? I mean, from a you, quarterback you don't, perspective, you, yeah, you don't get richer sitting at home generally, mm-hmm. but I think Dak would be okay, and and I I don't I think Dak has leverage here. I really do. Mm-hmm. But I don't see him holding out. I don't. I, quarterbacks just don't do that, right? They're 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 the team leaders. They're the guys that uh, you know want to take every rep. Um, it's it's different if it's a running back. It's different if it's a wide receiver, a D lineman. 
I just don't see a quarterback holding out. So I guess, you know, I guess I would expect that that Jameis would would play, uh, and he wouldn't like it, but he'd still be getting paid a lot of money to play pro football. And it, if he had the kind of year he thinks he's going to have, then the Bucks and anybody else would have to. Now I know they could franchise him twice, but he's going to get his money and twenty seven. Whatever that figure ends up being, you know, if if everybody starts making forty. Then it'll go over twenty seven. Yeah, Bridgewater gets thirty million, and somebody else gets that's going to raise his salary. Yeah, Yeah. the the franchise tag number goes up too. Yeah, because it's the average of the top five at your position. Now, if they transition them, it's the average of the top ten. But nonetheless, it's it's a hell of a lot of money, and so it's only going to help him if those guys, you know, always the last guy is the richest paid, right? So whether it's Brady or or Dak or whoever you know whoever else gets paid is going to help Jameis. Bob asks. Cardale Jones has been a standout in the XFL so far. You argue that reps at the quarterback position are hard to come by, yet necessary. Do you think he's shown enough so far to get a second chance in the NFL? Perhaps the Bucks' uh, Kurt Warner. <laughs> well, look, it's been, what, two two games? Is that what That's correct. Um, the, 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 uh, you know, the XFL is suffering, and I was reading Pro Football Talk, and I agree with them, that this league is suffering from quarterback play or the poor quarterback play. You know, and I mean, all you got to do is consider. I I looked out there, and I think it was for L.A. Josh Johnson, who I love as a person, and he's played for about six or seven NFL teams. He was a Bucks draft pick, right? But John mm-hmm. Gruden's early on, like 2006, he's the starting quarterback in this league, and I like him, but he's limited to. And he can run around; he can actually move a little bit. But some of these guys that are quarterbacking just aren't good. And that's why the games haven't been good, you know. Hell, have you know have the Vipers even scored a touchdown on offense yet? No, no. Right. So I mean, Mark Tressman, you know, whose whose you know reputation was built on play calling and the like, can't get in the end zone. So you know, when you've got USF quarterbacks and not Quentin Flowers, but guys that were before him starting for teams in this league, um, you know. The best quarterback in the league is from Temple, you know. I just I think I think they're suffering. I think that the type of play that they're that they're we're hoping for is just not just not coming to fruition. I'm sorry, but you need the Johnny Manzels. Give me the bad boys. Give me the guys that. Give me the Tim Tebow's. Give me the guys that the NFL rejected, right, for one reason or another, but they have star name recognition coming out of college. That's what this league needs, and they don't have enough of them. So, or they're um, just not willing to do that. Or they're not willing, yeah. They just don't want to go there. Look, look, look Cardell Jones, if he looks good, I mean, mm-hmm. somebody's got to be the best quarterback in, in, you know, in mm-hmm. this league. And if you're the best in this league, you know, as, as quarterback needy as all these teams are, you're probably going to find yourself in a tryout, in a training camp somewhere, um, at minimum, I would guess. Yeah, I would, I would say so, too. I mean, and I think that's the, you know, the, the hope of Cardell and, the goal. and everybody else in this league is absolutely you know, show what I can do and get another shot to, to you know, at least have an opportunity in the, the, the NFL. It. Yeah, why not? Well, Shots Fired will end our, our mailbag today. Mm-hmm. And his question was, Vipers? What the hell? Sorry, I bought season tickets. <laughs> what are they, $20 a game? Sorry you bought them, too, man. Look, uh, it's two games the Viper. <laughs> yeah. Just remember, and their that, defense is good. Yeah, all they have to do is score a couple touchdowns, and they'll be fine. Plus, they're playing at home, so we know what a home field advantage the Vipers feel when they when they go to Raymond James. 
I don't know. I mean, Quentin Flowers needs to play, and he needs to be their quarterback, and he needs to be there right now, and just let him go. You know, just let him play. Um, I know this. I know their starter was hurt. You know, that's unfortunate. But uh, Mark Tressman has shown me nothing uh, as far as you know his offensive uh, command of things. But it's only two games. They play ten, right? They play ten regular that's, season that's games. Correct, to yes. Get on, get on a little run here at home. And, uh, you know, they had a couple of tough games, a couple of tough matchups, you know, right out of the gate. I mean, you haven't played a down with these guys in a, in a game that mattered. So it's tough. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll change uniforms. I don't know what to tell you. Well, that, I, that's got to be the issue. Yeah, it's got to be something like that, right? But it's not good football. And they're they're probably the worst. Well, they are the worst team, right? Nobody. I mean, they're zero and two. Well, they're zero and two. I be, yeah, I don't know if there's. There might be other zero and two teams, which can't be worse than that. After two games, you know, I, I feel for them, man. It's a it's a tough rollout. But you know, attendance went up in that in that uh, league because did you see the crowd Seattle had? Man, Seattle's an unbelievable sports city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could roll out anything over there. Um, they support soccer. They support all kinds of stuff. But uh, the, I think the LA had, Wildcats are also zero and two. And they're owing to okay. Well, but the Seattle team, their attendance was so good that they, by themselves, I think, accounted for like a ten percent uptick uh, in in uh, attendance this past in week two of the uh, XFL. So, I'm I'm curious. What do you think the the announced crowd will be uh, at the first Vipers game? What are you guessing? That's a good question. First week, the average was around seventeen seventeen five. You're saying announced, not actual. Well, we won't know the actual because yeah, well, they don't tell us anymore. I'm saying, you know, eyeball guess. Um, yeah, the eyeball won't be good, but I think the the announced will be somewhere between 15 and 18. Yeah, I, I that's what I thought. They'll they'll probably announce close to 17. Now, whether that many is actually yeah, there or not, I, I, I don't know. The, I, a lot of it may depend on the weather and everything else. That's true. Um, that's true. You know, I, you know, the 0 and 2 start doesn't help, and and right. lack of offense doesn't help. More right. than the 0-2 start, I think, is, you know, I mean, defense is fine, but, you know, we're t- this is, you know, again, this is minor league football, and it can be exciting and entertaining, but people want to see touchdowns. They do. You know, that's yeah, what that's what will bring people, that's what will bring people excitement for the team. I mean, wins help, but you want it to be exciting. I mean, that's what minor league baseball is all about. That, well, that's why they do the craziest promotions in minor league baseball and that it's about creating an exciting atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know, um, 12 points in your first two games. Isn't quite that for the Vipers. Hey, thanks for your questions. Some really good ones tonight. And from some people that, uh, are new, I know some, some names I didn't recognize, which is always good as well. So you don't have to wait for a mailbag, uh, segment to submit your questions. You can do that anytime. You can do it by, Hitting us up on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Of course, tomorrow we'll recap the Lightning's game against Colorado. They're trailing one to nothing as we wrap up this podcast while we tape it. And then later in the week, we'll have Tom Jones, my former radio partner and longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute. He'll join us, as well as Ray's pre- and post-game host, Neil Solons. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.